Well, good morning. It's great to be with you back in my home church. (laughs) So it's lovely to be with you all today. Well, 2020 has certainly been a year of unknowns, unforeseens, and the insecure. Um, As you know, this pandemic hit and all over the world, countries went into a panic to abruptly lock down their nations. And South Africa was no different. In fact, we were camping with our church at a campground site um, about three hours from the city where we're living in when the South African president came on the air and announced that a lockdown would happen in just a few days' time. And so the next morning we wake up, we quickly pack up our tents, pack up our camping gear, uh, getting ready to go. We've got to get back to town. We've got to get groceries and supplies before this lockdown hits. And so I told the kids, guys, as we're packing up, just just go for your last final bike ride because you're not going to be allowed out on the streets to even walk a dog or go for a walk, just go right now, get your last bike ride in for the next three weeks, which was extended into five weeks, which then got extended into eight weeks of a lockdown, a hard lockdown. And so we sent them off and we were packing up. And then I heard a cry that only a mother knows that cry is a serious cry. So I went running over to the children and can you believe two of them crashed into each other and Molly broke her arm. Are you kidding? Great. So now we're rushing back, not just getting groceries, not just getting supplies, but getting her x-rays, getting her scheduled for her surgery, getting her in surgery, setting the arm, getting the cast on, getting her out of the hospital with hours to spare before this lockdown comes upon us. And I'm not one that easily gets stressed. I can generally roll with the punches and uh, take challenges head on. And when plans change, I can make a plan and change with them. But during the five weeks of the really hard lockdown, I found that every single day, my stomach just churned with stress. Even making breathing, feeling belabored. I thought, what the heck is this? I don't get stressed. What is this? Why am I feeling such angst? You know, I could tell my mind, you know, everything's fine, we're okay, we're safe, we're fine. But, but that message just wouldn't compute to my body's response. So I began to pray, God, would you just show me the reason for why I'm feeling anxiety? Perhaps it's because all the things that we naturally put our security in just vanished overnight. I mean, we build our lives upon certain things that we think are a secure foundation, and we do it without even realizing Financial security, right? So we we live on donations, which is a tenuous security, but it has some form of security. But suddenly, if people are struggling, what will happen with our donations to be here? Job security. The seminary that we teach at is actually completely online, so our jobs weren't actually affected, but millions of people around the world found themselves without a job, uh, some overnight or struggling to keep their businesses afloat while lockdown was happening. What about health security? I mean, many young people, you don't even think about these things, but maybe when you're a little older, you start to think about these things. And even though none of us in our family had a comorbidity, there's been some perfectly healthy people that have gotten this thing and taken a knock from it. What about the security of your daily routine? You know, we actually take comfort in having a routine that we follow every day. It gives us a sense that we're in control of our days, but suddenly 
That was thrown out the window. Suddenly, your parents are working from home, you're schooling from home, trying to figure out this online schooling thing, and everything is now on Zoom, and you know, like you're trying to um, do all the things you need to do in a situation where you're just stuck at home. And if you come into contact with someone with COVID, now you've got a quarantine for two weeks at home. And plans were unplannable. What about some of the things that you young people find security in? Maybe it's belonging to a group of friends or having that boyfriend or having that girlfriend. Maybe it's making the varsity team or or looking forward to special occasions you've been working so hard for, that award ceremony, that state competition, that prom, or that graduation. It just seemed that suddenly all those securities were pulled out from under our feet can't hang out with friends. That boyfriend or girlfriend, now you have to wear a mask and be socially distanced, which I'm sure your parents are actually thrilled about. (laughs) And those special occasions, well, they were canceled or postponed or, or, or done in a different way that just didn't feel the same. That varsity team, big deal. All the games are canceled. Suddenly, everything that we find security in was pulled out from under our feet. And so upon realizing that, I thought that this stress would go away, but I found it was still there because the roots of my anxiety went deeper. But I began to realize that there is another security that I put an awful lot of trust in without even realizing it. And that's this little blue book. You see, we've lived in two African nations that are on a spiral downwards. We were seven years in Zimbabwe, which was in a free-fall state with hyperinflation, food shortages, water shortages, power shortages, fuel shortages, anything that there was, there was probably a shortage of it. And now we're living in South Africa, which is also in a state of an unfixable downward spiral as well. The city and the province that we live in, our dams are at 18% capacity with water because poor planning for a growing population or for a drought scenario like we've been in for the last five years. Or corrupt politicians leading our city, pocketing the money for themselves and doing underhanded deals, meanwhile, allowing the city to crumble. Our power company, bankrupt, millions of dollars in debt. And so the power cuts are starting where we have hours without power. There was already a high uh, unemployment rate, but COVID has exasperated that. And our farmers, which is our food security, are being murdered. And it's starting to get out of control. And as we've been living in these two countries, we would see the heartache and the depression of the people, the national people living in these countries as they watch the state of their nation crumble. And many, many try to flee to the Western countries for a better future. Two of our friends at the moment are trying to get out to New Zealand for a future for their children. As we've lived and done ministry in Africa for 14 years, see, I always knew in the back of my head that I could always rely on this little blue book. This golden ticket needs no visas to most countries in the world. And if things in Africa get too bad or too dangerous... This little book assures that we can come home in a safe place to live. Or if the work permit doesn't come through, well, this beautifully embossed golden eagle will fly us back to the land where we can find jobs and live again. Or if the universities are in a state of decline as they are now and they get to a place where they're incompetent, 
No worries. This little treasure is sure we can send our children back to get a good education. African healthcare, if we can't get the care we need, just a simple stamp. And that means we have a safe passage to get the healthcare that we need and we have used in the past. You see, I, I began to realize over lockdown the real root of my stress, the real source of my anxiety, was for the first time I realized I was putting security in my home country. It, unbeknownst to me, quite a bedrock foundation in my life, and I began to realize that my home country didn't quite seem as secure as what it had always seemed to be. What I started to realize is, yeah, we all know problems have been building and building and building for years and years and years and years underneath the surface, and you don't even notice them because they build slowly over time. But the COVID crisis brought all of these issues bubbling over to the surface, making it visible for everyone to see just how culturally, morally, socially, politically, religiously, we are on a dangerous path of self-destruction. Perhaps an inevitable downward spiral. And this misplaced security and something that I thought was always so secure, I realized was the reason for my deep angst. Well, this morning, we're going to look at another group of people and a story of a people who also misplaced their security in a powerful nation. And that misplaced security caused them stress as well. So we're going to look at the uh, books of Jeremiah, chapters 37 to 46, and just kind of summarize what's happening there, and also a little bit out of Ezekiel 17. So the nation of Judah, the southern nation of Judah, they were constantly putting their security in things other than God. They would turn to, well, idols as a form of security. They would worship the gods of all the other lands in order to secure for themselves what they thought would bring rain. And if we worship this God, then he'll bring us crops. And we worship this God, he'll bring wheat. And we worship this God, he'll ensure that our sheep will have more sheep and it will multiply. And they began to put their security, not in God, but in the worship of idols. And God would constantly be telling them to throw aside their worthless idols and put your security in me, the only one that can provide real security. But they disregarded this. And as a result, eventually, the punishment for disobeying God and disobeying God's word was that the southern nation of Judah, like the northern nation of Israel, would be exiled. It would be kicked out of their land much like how Adam and Eve were exiled and kicked out at the Garden of Eden for their disobedience as well. So God used the more powerful nation of the Babylonians with King Nebuchadnezzar in order to be an instrument to exile the nation of Judah. And it all started in the Battle of Carchemish. Now, I know you probably haven't had much history this year, so hey, just I'm filling you in on some world history this morning. But it all started in the battle of 605 BC at the Battle of Carchemish, where the Babylonians defeated the mighty Egyptians and conquered all the land of Syria-Palestine, basically Egypt, and all the way up the Mediterranean coast they conquered. And they made all those nations their vassals. So what that means is um, a vassal is when you enter into a treaty with a stronger nation or a conqueror, and you are agreeing to be ruled by them. 
You're agreeing for 100% loyalty to them. You agree to pay taxes, pay a yearly tribute, and in exchange, this stronger country will protect you from your enemies. And so in 605, Egypt and Judah both became vassals to the Babylonians. But four years later, the Egyptians rebelled, and they fought against the Babylonian army, weakening them quite significantly. Now Judah sees a moment of weakness and they pounce. They revolt too, but the Babylonians were not going to have it. They came against the city of Jerusalem and conquered it. They deported their king. They stole the treasures from the temple and the treasures from um, the the palace, and they deported 10,000 people from Judah, your most skilled craftsmen, your most skilled artisans, your fighting men, and they took them all into Babylon, significantly weakening Judah. King Nebuchadnezzar put a new king in charge, King Zedekiah, who would rule over all the unskilled people that were left in the land. And he made a vassal treaty with him, assuring 100% loyalty, yes, 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 we'll be loyal to you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar thought, Judah shouldn't be a problem anymore. I think I've weakened them enough. Now, Judah had a decision to make. Would they trust in God and obey his word Or would they run to another source of security, a stronger nation who they thought could help them and provide safety and security for them against the mighty Babylonians? Who did they turn to? Well, it wasn't America, but it was Egypt. Egypt. See, though King Zedekiah, appointed by Nebuchadnezzar, he swore 100% loyalty, Judah actually turned to Egypt, a nation they perceived to be a strong enough nation to protect them and defend them against the mighty Babylonians. Judah knew of Egypt's plans to conquer and take that region from Egypt all the way up to Syria, Palestine. And so Judah sent a convoy down to gather military supplies and assistance and help from the Pharaoh, even joining in a coalition of other smaller nations against Babylon. Well, that was certainly an act of rebellion. And once again, King Nebuchadnezzar would not stand for it. He came against the city of Jerusalem again in 588 BC. Well, the Egyptians, they did come out of Egypt and they tried to intervene, stopping Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar from attacking Judah. And so the Babylonians left Jerusalem and went to go put down that Egyptian rebellion. King Nebuchadnezzar had chosen to put his trust and security in the strength of Egypt. And at this point, things were looking pretty good for him. But God's word came to Zedekiah through Ezekiel. And in chapter 17, God's word said to Ezekiel, be careful the consequences are dire because you have broken the oath you made to Babylon. Do you want to know what the consequences are for breaking that oath? You, the king, will be carried into Babylon and judgment will be executed upon you for breaking it. It wasn't just Ezekiel that was bringing God's word to King Zedekiah. It was also Jeremiah. Jeremiah said to him, don't be so foolish to think the Babylonians are just gone. They're going to leave you alone and not come back. Are you kidding They're going to go push the Egyptian army back into Egypt, and they will be back, and they will burn this city to the ground. King Zedekiah didn't like that news. So as any good dictator would do, you beat them, you punish them, you arrest them, and you throw them into jail. But King Zedekiah became a little bit curious not too much later, and he went back to Jeremiah for some counsel. And Jeremiah once again spoke God's word. And he said to him, 
If you surrender to Babylon, your life will be spared and this city will not burn down. But if you do not surrender, the city will burn to the ground and you will be captured and killed. Zedekiah has a choice to make. Where will he put his security? Will he obey the word of the Lord and seek security in the Lord? Or will he run to a nation he perceived to be strong enough to save them? Well, he chose to put his trust in Egypt. Surely the Egyptians will put down the Babylonian army and we will be safe. But that was not to be. It only took a month for King Nebuchadnezzar to send the Egyptians back to Egypt, to come back to Jerusalem, to build up ramparts, to lay siege to the city, to eventually break down the walls, burn the city down, burn the temple, burn out the, the, um, the king's palace, to take all the worship articles and take them and carry them to Babylon and deport again a big group of people to Babylon. And now all that is left in the land is the poorest of the poorest of the poor. It was devastating. And what happened to King Zedekiah? Well, he tried to run. He tried to escape, but he was captured. His sons were killed before his very eyes, before they gouged his eyes out and took him to Babylon too. So was the Pharaoh with his mighty army able to save? No. Was God's word secure? Did it come true? Yeah. Well, the story goes on. After this, now for a second time, King Nebuchadnezzar sets up another ruler, this time a governor named Gadaliah. And Gadaliah was put in charge of now the poorest of the poor to work the vineyards and the fields. But just a few months later, Gadaliah was assassinated. And now the people who are left in the land are in fear of a Babylonian retribution. And they were scared. Who do you think they turned to for security? You guessed it. Good old Egypt. They chose to flee to Egypt where they thought they would have safety and security from the Babylonians who might attack in retaliation. And as they were on the way, they met up with Jeremiah and they said, oh, Jeremiah, please pray to your God and please ask him, what should we do and where should we go? So Jeremiah prayed to God and he spoke the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord said, if you stay in Judah I will rebuild you, God said. I will plant you, not tear you down. Don't be afraid of King Nebuchadnezzar, for I am with you. I will protect you. I will save you. But if you choose to disobey and run to Egypt for safety from war and safety from famine, then the sword and hunger are sure to hit you, and you will die in the land of Egypt. Once again, there's a choice to make. Will we trust in God's word, in the security of what he is promising he will do? Or will we trust in Egypt to protect us from war and famine and keep us safe? You could probably guess what they chose. They chose Egypt. Once again, they said, Jeremiah, you're a liar. You are lying. And they chose to go to Egypt for safety. And so Jeremiah just dashed any security and hope that they could have in Egypt. He told them that the Pharaoh and Egypt and all his kings and all their gods and everyone who relies upon Egypt for security, they will eventually be handed over to King Nebuchadnezzar for destruction. The choice was security in trusting in God 
and what he says he will do and obeying it or trusting in more powerful nations. And every time, Judah continually made the distressing decision to seek security with what they could see with their eyes and not seek security in what they could only see with eyes of faith. And I think the same decision faces us today too, thousands of years later. What are we going to choose to put our security in? In God and his word? Or in strong and powerful nations? Or for you young people, what do you choose to put your security in? In God and following him and obeying his word? Or are you going to put security in the things that this world tells you will bring you security? Belonging to the right group of friends, dressing the way everybody else does with the fancy shoes and the right designer labels, posting the best Instagram picture and getting more likes than that guy over there, being invited to the cool hangouts, making top grades, getting into top universities, making the team, winning the prize. Are you going to put your security in those things that you can see with your eyes, those things that the world tells you will put you in a secure position and place amongst your peers? Are you going to trust in God's word and follow what he says will bring you security in this life? Well, during lockdown, I remember as I started realizing the reason for my deep angst, um, this uh, putting security in, in something that I guess I realized wasn't so secure anymore, I spent time praying to God and I just felt him say to me, Kaylee, just keep your eyes on me. Just keep your eyes on me, not on all this other stuff that the world tells you will make you secure. Keep your eyes on me. You see, it's Jesus Christ it's not George Washington, it's not, it's not your peer group, it's not how popular you are, it's not all your achievements. It's Jesus who secured for us a future 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross for you and for me. And that's when the great exchange took place. When the God who is innocent and perfect bore upon himself the sin of humanity. He exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness. He exchanged his freedom for our chains. He exchanged the gift of eternal life for our earned condemnation of eternal darkness. And in that moment, Jesus secured for us a citizenship in heaven, a seat at his banqueting table, a position in his family, a room in his house, a life in his eternal city. You see, this is not the golden ticket. The golden ticket is not how many Instagram likes you have or how many friends you have or do you have the coolest boyfriend or have you made the varsity team? That's not the golden ticket of security in this life. This is the golden ticket. It's not being a citizen in America that makes us secure. It's being a citizen in heaven. It's not living in, in the kingdom of America that gives us security. It's, it's living in the kingdom of heaven. It's not which will be our next earthly king that brings us security. It's having a heavenly king that gives us security. This is a guaranteed promise, an inheritance that is secure, that is sure, that will never fade. This is an inheritance that no moth can eat, no rust can decay, no thief can steal. It is secure and sure. So, the question, nine days before the election, 
The question months before 2021, when we all hope school life and life will get back to normal, is what do we put our trust in? Which book will you put your trust in? Will you put your trust in the things that this world tells you will bring you security? Will you put your trust in God? This one offers a variety of things that tells us that will make us secure, but in an instant can be pulled out from under our feet as the pandemic showed us. And this one offers us a security that can never fade, perish, spoil. What's it going to be? The decision seems pretty clear, but the reminder has to be a daily reminder to this truth. Psalm 20, verse 7, says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and we stand. Let's keep our eyes focused on the real golden ticket. Let's put all of our hope, all of our faith, all of our trust in the only one who can bring real security in an insecure world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the, the example of Judah in the Bible, and we thank you that we can see clearly that every single time they chose security in what they could see versus what they couldn't see. They chose security in stronger nations. They chose security in the things that this world tells us will keep you safe and bring you security and secure position in this world. And results were devastating. God, I pray that we would learn from them and that we would choose not to put our security in the things this world tells us will make us safe and secure, but we would put our security in you and you alone. Security doesn't come from nations, from passports. Security doesn't come from our position amongst our peers and our likes on Instagram. Security comes from belonging in your kingdom. And that inheritance will never fade, will never perish, will never spoil. God, help us to remind ourselves every day of this truth and trust in you for our security. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.